This is a Cincy fan talking with LP. You can catch me on Twitter. That's a Cincy fan talking. You say it like it sounds, just leave off the G. If you have ideas for the show, you can reach me at Cincy underscore fan talk at yahoo.com. If you have any suggestions for the show, make sure you leave them there. Who knows? You might find yourself as part of the show. Any feedback would be definitely appreciated. And also, make sure you hit the link tree page that's on my Twitter. Make sure you click on that. You can find all the different ways to contact me there. Enjoy the show. What's up? What's up? What's going on, podcast listeners? Welcome to another episode of A Sensi Fan Talking with LP. And of course, this is yours truly, LP. What's going on, y'all? I hope y'all fourth was safe and I hope y'all popped y'all fireworks. Um, I cannot promise that you won't hear a boom or two around this way. I don't know. People can't really tell time, so we might hear fireworks until june july 8th <laughs> you, you never know around these parts they, they love their fireworks so we'll see how i go on this episode but thank y'all for stopping past and kicking it with me for a little for a little bit um i can promise y'all won't talk too much about kevin durant i can just knock that out right now real quick um if he goes somewhere, I don't think it's going to happen for a long time. I know if I was a net, like in the front office, I'm not letting him go until I get all types of <laughs> all types of stuff for him. I need draft picks. I need I need a squad. So for that reason, I don't think we're going to hear much about this for a while. I mean, I mean that's that's just how I feel about it. Um, that's that. <laughs> I don't. I don't think you're gonna hear too much from this whole Kevin Durant thing until probably close to the season start because they don't have to. <laughs> the Nets are not obligated to trade this man just because he asked him the contract for two more years. You gotta play, cause like if they make you, I just cover. What I wanted to cover on that in about a minute and a half, so <laughs> that's where I'm at. Um, as far as what we're talking about. Um, on this here episode, um, I've been binging some some crazy stuff, so we're gonna get into that. Um, shout out to all my New York undercover fans who um who, who down who who watch every Friday and live tweet. We'll get into that in a second. But first, man, what's going on in college football? I got the answer for you. Um, if you read if you read the title of this episode. You know my answer, but I'm going to go ahead and set the scene for you. Um, Once upon a time when OLP was about 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, college football was a regional sport, man. Real talk. We knew about everybody in the East and the Midwest, or around these parts anyway, um, I could tell you Ohio State's schedule and who they play and who they beat and who they lost to. But if you ask me about USC or Washington, 
or somebody out west. I'm like, I don't know. And I won't know until until we see them in the um, Rose Bowl. Real talk. Because <laughs> that's how it was. Back in the late 80s, early 90s, college football was really regionalized. It wasn't like these really big TV packages and stuff like that. I mean, the money was there, but I don't think a lot of people were taking advantage of it. When Notre Dame did what they did with NBC and got their own contract, so NBC was essentially the Notre Dame network, that changed everything. I I feel like that really tipped the scales, and that act kind of made what we're seeing now. I won't say it started it all as far as like the whole realignment stuff, but I think it made it to where you had an out. Because you got teams like US, well, you got teams like UCLA who got rivalries with Cal and Stanford and stuff like that. And that really meant something back in the late 80s, early 90s. Now it's all about the money. I mean, it's it's all about the money. And it's a good thing. And it could be a bad thing. I mean, it really could. I, I'm I'm not the dude that's about to be like, man, I can't believe that you got these two West Coast teams in the Big Ten. I personally think it's cool. I think it'll be cool to have a 12 o'clock noon matchup with Ohio State playing UCLA. I, I think that's dope as hell because what you're doing is you're giving the viewer more to watch. You're giving us more to see. Man, I'm not trying to see Ohio State beat Rutgers and Maryland's brains out every single week while we wait for the matches we want to see. We want to see O State, Penn State. We want to see O State, Michigan. That's what we want to see. We want to see stuff like that. We want to see O State, Michigan State. But since you're in a conference, you can't do that every week because you got to be fair to the other people in the conference. So you got to get an Ohio State versus the Northwestern. Or you got to get a Michigan versus, I don't know, Purdue or something like that. And, I mean, it's cool, but really it's not cool because you want to see good matchups. And that's what we're getting now. You're going to get good in-conference matchups pretty much every week. Somebody good is going to be playing somebody good every week once this whole thing shakes out. That's the good news for the viewer. Our entire viewing palette on a Saturday just gets expanded. I mean, we get to watch Texas, Alabama in a conference game. You know what I'm saying? That's cool. That's dope. But that's for the viewer. We get to sit on our couch and we get to grab our snacks and and veg out and kick it from noon to like 11 o'clock. And just chill with the homies and chill with the ladies and watch the game. You can do that. It's cool. Now, imagine imagine you being a player. <laughs> like, imagine you play for USC. And you got to fly from US, You got to fly from L.A. All the way to Ann Arbor, Michigan to play the Wolverines on a Saturday. And then fly all the way back and then get the class. Because you got to test on Monday. You know how ignorant that sounds? You know how ridiculous that sounds? Like, like put yourself in the place of 
of a 20 year old kid that lives in LA and maybe has gone as far as Denver to play. Now you crisscrossing the globe, your body clock is done for. Like you crossing time zones, like you changing underwear, man. Like that's wild to me that people will put their players in this predicament. But if it ain't about the money, <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. This is all a money grab. And what I like about this is that at least now we're being transparent. Like, miss me with the whole these players should play for the love of the game and they're amateurs. While you got these conferences and you got these these ADs and these presidents making loot. I, I mean, they making loot. We talking about, like real talk, we talking about colleges sharing billions of dollars because of the moves they're making. And people mad about these players getting name, image, and likeness, money. That's crazy. Like, that's wild. What I like about it is that it's all out in the open now. It's all transparent. We like, look, we trying to get this money. So I'm going to take this team that's in L.A., and we're going to make them play mass teams in the Midwest. And it might not make sense for the Big Ten to spread from sea to shine and see <laughs> because it makes no sense, but it's money in it. And I appreciate that. I appreciate you being open and not trying to hide that from me. What I don't want to hear is you saying it's all about the money, but we should put a cap on how much money these kids can make. Nah, they're the business end of your product. You have nothing to sell without these kids. Nothing. So when I hear about a 20-year-old quarterback making $5 million off a of name, image, and likeness, I'm like, hey, see if you can get 10. <laughs> like, for real. As long as you're learning how to manage your money, as long as you're learning how to make the money work for you, it's cool. You should be getting paid a little bit if these if these presidents and these ADs are getting so much money. So I'm good with that. However, with the money comes certain responsibilities. It, it does because you can't say I should get paid like a professional. And then you got these reporters asking you professional ass questions. And then you like, no, 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 I'm a kid. Nah, that light going to get turned up a little bit more. I mean, it is. If I go into a store <laughs> and, and I buy, I buy a mower that costs $1,000. I expect to get my money's worth out of my mower. Like, like I expect, I don't expect it to break down. If it does break down, I should be able to take it somewhere and get it fixed. A sapperton. Like <laughs> I expect to get it fixed super duper fast. I don't want no fuss. I got the warranty right here. Nothing. I don't want to hear nothing. If I do hear something, expect a a whole lot of blowback from yours truly, or B, me trying to push that back off to you because I'm like, if I'm paying a G for this mower, it it gotta be the best of the bunch. It gotta be. Now, in no way am I calling players machinery. Or property that's dead like we're not doing that here's what i'm saying if you want to be treated like a professional you're gonna have to act like a professional that means 
you're going to get flown from place to place. <laughs> and then you're going to have to sit down and do your homework afterwards. And it's not like, oh, these are kids. Nah, if if they paying you, you got to perform. Now, here's where the rub is. Here's Here's where that gray area is. All these athletes aren't getting paid like that, for one. And for two, you're dealing with kids. <laughs> you're talking about 17 to 22-year-old kids. And maybe they feel like they can do things that they can't. Maybe they think their bodies are ready for things that they're not ready for. That's kid nature. I mean, as a 15, 16, 17-year-old, I tell you, I'm standing up for three days straight. Like, I think I can do that. I can do that. If I'm knocked out at 1230 in the morning, hey, <laughs> I overplayed my hand. What you want from me? And that's going to be the problem in this whole new age that we're in. We're going to want to treat these kids a certain way because for years and years and years, we've looked at them in a certain way. We felt like they should be able to handle this based on the fact that you're getting all of this fame thrown at you. And now you're getting all this money thrown at you. And at some point, we're going to have to realize that as much as we want them to be professionals, they're kids. They're training to be professionals. That's what they're doing. At some point, we're going to have to put our foot off, the, our feet off the gas and, and be like, look, maybe stretching everything out to a 15, 16 game season, which is where we're headed. I mean, if you look at the writing on the wall, we're going to have playoffs coming up and you're going to have to qualify for the playoffs. So that means you're going to have to play your regular season. Then you might play in the college. You might have to play in your conference championship game. Then you might play in a first round game. Then you might play in a semifinal game. Then you might play in the finals. That's 15, 16 games right there. Like it really is. And what we can't lose sight of is that these are developing kids. They're not quite what they're going to be five years from now. I mean, they're not. I mean, in middle school, I kind of had this problem. When I first, first started, I see the tallest guy and be like, look, you the center. Like, you know, you you 6'1". You the center. So get back here. Go ahead and do your center stuff. Work on your post moves. Look at right here. You my point guard. I mean, you five foot one. Like, what you want from me? Like, I mean, you can't do what he do. He's six one. So I want you over here working on your ball handling drills. And I, I got blessed enough to to work with somebody my first year that was just super dope as a coach. Like, like she, yep, she <laughs> knew exactly what was going on. She was like, I've been with these kids for so long. I'm the AD now. So look, LP. You got to understand, I know it's your first year ever doing this, but you got to understand that that five foot one guy right there, he he extra little right now because he's in the seventh grade. He'll hit a growth spurt over the summer. He'll come back and he'll be five, six. And then the year after that, he'll be five, ten. And then the year after that, he'll be six, one, six, two. Meanwhile, this six, one guy right here that you got, you know, doing all the post moves, he might be done growing. <laughs> so you got to teach these little guys everything. You got to make sure that they know how to do every single thing. So that means you're going to have a five foot one guy doing post moves because they're not quite where they're going to be when they grow up. 
I feel like it's the same with the with the college football players. And I think we forget that they're kids. I, th- I think we forget that a lot. You know, we get into these long debates with people on Twitter. My team is better than yours. So-and-so can do this, that, and the third. And we kind of forget that, man, we're talking about kids. And the way that they go hard on some of them, on, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> like it's ridiculous. So-and-so can't kick. Man, they need to. Like, dude, man, you're talking about somebody's 20-year-old baby. He might still have braces. Like, you might be talking about like a 330-pound center with braces. Like, they kind of little butt butt, something like that. Like, real tall. Like, we don't we don't understand that we kind of pump everything up to a point where they look like professionals to us, and they're really not. I feel like that's the biggest danger of this whole thing. We're turning college football into basically what it was going towards 20, 30 years ago. We're turning it into the breeding ground for, for pros. We're, we're turning it into that. We're going to get to a point. Now, I'm telling you, it, it's going to happen. We're going to get to a point where you're going to have the Big Ten and the SEC with 24 teams apiece. And let's be real. Let, let's... Let's call it spade a spade. There are literally two conferences that we care about right now. Two. (laughs) If you didn't say the SEC and the Big Ten, if you didn't say those two conferences, you lying to yourself. Like the Big 12, you know, they 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 got some squads. They got some talent in there. But are you really taking the best team in the Big 12 three years from now and putting them in the big 10 or the sec and expecting them to finish number one in those conferences or number two or number three or number four. No, it's not happening. Those are the two best conferences in America. And we can sit up here and say, Oh, well, it's because it's because they got the best players. It's because they recruit the best. It's because they got the best fan. Man, they got the most money. M-O-N-E-Y. Money. <laughs> that's what the SEC has. And that's what the Big Ten has. And everybody else is second rate right now. I mean, everybody is. We can say, you know, the back the Pac-12, no. The Big 12, no. The ACC got Clemson. There are about three schools. Three schools left in the entire NCAA that the Big Ten and the SEC are looking at and going like, dang, we really want y'all. Now, y'all going to laugh at my other choice, but (laughs) Clemson, because we're talking football, man, and Clemson is one of the best of the band. So you want them. Notre Dame, because people don't want Notre Dame. Notre Dame is like, that girl slash boy that you really, really like, but they just always seem to be out of your reach. Like no matter what you do, they're always like, eh, I got a boyfriend. I got a girlfriend. I'm good. <laughs> they're, they're never available when you are. That's, that's what Notre Dame is. Everybody wants them. Nobody's getting them. The third team, y'all gonna laugh at me. North Carolina. 
I, I know, I know it's weird. North Carolina's trash at football, but North Carolina has that name recognition and their basketball team is legendary. You can add Northern, you can add North Carolina's basketball team to any conference and immediately elevate that conference. I will put Kansas in there for the exact same reason. And I low key will put UConn in there, but I wouldn't put them past the Big 12 for real because as elite as their women's team is, everything else is just so low that you can't really hype them up because of the the greatness of the one sport. North Carolina at least has a football squad that has been relevant recently. And their basketball team is phenomenal. And their women's basketball team can play ball. So they have like a lot of different things going for them. So I would say North Carolina, Clemson, maybe Kansas, and definitely Notre Dame. Those are the only four teams that everybody and Kansas football team is just it's just so bad. Like, and it's funny that they've been bad for they've been bad for so long. And I personally feel like I don't think it's because of a lack of talent. I think it's because they really don't put the resources in the football that they do into basketball. That's what I think. Because I feel like they're in a region where they can get the talent to go there if they can just kind of build from within. So that'll kind of be the challenge for Kansas. But really, all of this boils down to is money. Like, real talk. It's it's about the moolah. And that's why you're going to see more teams shifting. And you're going to see more conferences exploding and imploding. And it's not a sad thing for me. I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, my God. It's not like it was. Everything changes, man. Like, there are very few things that stay exactly the same as it was when it first started. When I was watching football when I was 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, when I was watching college football, even pro football, the game was very, very different. The money was big, but it's not it's not nearly as big as it was as it is now. And college football was just so regionalized. I mean, you had your teams and you're part of the part of the state or part of the country that you were in. And you really watched those teams. And, you know, you caught the rest of the stuff on the news or whatever. If you're lucky enough to have cable, <laughs> not me, <laughs> but you were lucky enough to have cable, then, you know, you watch that. But real talk, everything's changing. And it depends on what team or conference you like to say if it's for the better or for the worse. Because if I'm a Pac-12 or a Big 12 fan, I'm like, dang, like, like I, I, I'm i a UC fan. And I'm kind of looking like, dang, UC just got into the Big 12. Things was just looking up. And this is what we're doing. we just going to, like, shut th- this. For, for UC, this, is, this will be like, this is like a, a night at the Roxbury where the Butabi brothers finally get into the club. And, and what if they just pulled the plug and stopped the movie right then, right when they finally got into the Roxbury? We'd be like, dang, like they worked that hard, the party over. That's kind of where UC is. UC might look, might they might look to make another move. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'm excited to see what happens next. 
and on my video game, um, NCAA Football 13, I got mad stuff to change, man. Like, <laughs> I got to flip these conferences on their head. I don't, I don't even have the correct teams in the game to do that. Like, <laughs> that's how old the game is. And when they going to drop another um, NCAA football? Um, Dang, is it 2023? I don't know. Either way, I'm getting it super duper fast. So you can bet that. <laughs> hey, you got a Cincy fan talking with LP. We'll be right back. Hi. Hi. I'm Princess. And I'm Queen. This is Daddy. You have to say, and this is a Cincy fan talking with LP. And this is a Cincy fan talking with LP Daddy. Nice job. Mm-hmm. What's up? What's up? We are back. We are back. And I think I got my my firework counter up to about three right now. Um, they they super cool outside about about not letting them off. I, I guess they counted the calendar, counted the days on the calendar or whatever, and they figured out that we're not at July 4th anymore. Like we, we've kind of moved on. Like we kind of skirted past the 4th. I don't know, though. Usually about round about this time this is when they really start letting off which is super fun because we always worried about the kids waking up i'm pretty sure my nine-year-old spent a good hour and a half after we put her to bed just staring out the window looking at the fireworks we didn't even stop her we didn't even go upstairs and check we, we already knew like <laughs> i'm like i do the same thing I'm not, I'm not even tripping like should we go get her nope just, just let her she'll sleep in super late the next day everything will work out and sure enough we went in there in the morning and the blinds were wide open like you can see clear to the backyard where the fireworks would be so yeah that's a good look for you we kind of figured that so you didn't get one over we had it figured out kid um so in, in my quest to find stuff to watch and discuss uh, I had new stuff all like prepped and ready. And then I hop on YouTube and I see season two, episode one of Making the Band. And I'm like, I have not seen this in forever. I'm like, I got to watch it. I got to watch it. So one episode turned into two episodes, two turned into four, four turned into mo. And before I knew it, I had binged all three seasons of Making the Band 2. And I'm like, when I first started, I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? Why why do I consistently find the worst TV to watch? Like, I, I guess it's a superpower. Like, I don't know. Like, I find the worst TV to watch and I watch it consistently. It's like I'm an addict. This wasn't that. I immediately remembered why I loved the second season of Making the Band. Like those three, like the three seasons of Making the Band too. Um, and, and for those of y'all that, that have never seen it, or like you don't you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm gonna give you the I'm gonna give you the brief synopsis real quick. All right. So, Sean Puffy Combs, P Diddy back then, decided to follow up. 
season one of Making the Band that was pretty much on ABC where they found that group Old Town, you know, like the 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 NSYNC slash 98 Degrees slash Backstreet Boy type band. That's what Making the Band 1 was. Making the Band 2 was Puppy's vision, and he wanted to find the best possible people to be in his rap slash R&B group. So, I mean, the premise was pretty much the same as the stuff you see right now. But I remembered immediately why I loved this show so much back in the day. And this was out like 02, 03. I mean, this was, this was, oh, I mean, they had like, they had commercials with, with all types of random people from back in the day. I'm like, wow, this is super old. Yes, they had the commercials. It, it was it was wild. Uh, I'm sure my man Jim would have loved seeing those old school commercials, man. Like, <laughs> I know it is fast out. So, the best part about this show was that it was one of the last reality shows that you could tell that the people were genuine. You could real live tell that these kids had a dream and they would do whatever they had to do to chase that dream. This was probably one of the last reality TV shows where the fights didn't look scripted. It just happened. I mean, I won't say they were like super duper violent, but you could really tell like people were pissed off and they got tired of people's stuff and fights would just happen. But you could just see the passion in all the people like, look, like I'm chasing this dream. I'm trying to get it, man. Like I'm, I'll, I'll do whatever I got to do. I'll, I'll rap, I'll sing, whatever. And it, it was really cool to see. So they picked the band season one and then season two, they set out to make a record and <laughs> more fighting. Season three, they put the record out. They become superstars and they start getting full of themselves and Normally, you see something like that. You can kind of predict what will happen because, you know, it's a reality show. You can predict what happened, but not really because P. Diddy ended up just cutting the whole band loose at the end of the season. He just said, forget it. Y'all ain't doing what I need. Y'all fight too much. Y'all can like babies. And he cut them loose at the end. And that was it. But it, it was a couple of things that, that really, really caught me when I was watching. Number one the the game has really changed when when i say the game has really changed i mean music wise i don't think that you're hearing stuff that's that's different i mean that's the same i think everything's really different as far as what you hear i just think the attitudes are just kind of different because you see something like that and you see how hard they had to work. And I think a lot of people, and, and Puffy said this really, really well. A lot of people don't understand what it takes to be famous. And I can put that in like a lowercase thing. I don't think people understand what it takes to be successful. Because he was constantly telling them like, look, you got to sacrifice. Like you got to give stuff up. Like if you're not giving something up for your dream, then you probably don't want that dream. Like you'll talk to a lot of podcasters and they'll tell you, you know, they they podcast in hot rooms. You can't have the fan on because you can hear the fan going like, vuh, 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 vuh. so you got to cut the fan off. You want to kick it with the fan, but 
you know, you got to get this episode out. And if you don't get the episode out, then, you know, everything backs up on you and you're missing current events and all of that stuff. So there, there's sacrifice involved. And he was he was constantly telling them, like, look, if you're not willing to sacrifice, if you're not going to give it all up, then you don't want to be here because you beat 40,000 other people to get here. So why are you acting like you don't want it anymore? And at some point, I guess like they, I guess they didn't. And he cut them loose. It, it was really interesting to see that. And I feel like a lot of, I won't say a lot of kids. I say a lot of people have this attitude about music where it's like, you know, somebody hears me on SoundCloud, <laughs> you know, I make a single, or I make a demo, I slide it to somebody in the right hands, boom, I'm on. And I think that's the difference between then and now, because I feel like now people actually think they can do that. <laughs> like they really think they can do that. Like somebody hear my SoundCloud and boom, I'm on. Somebody who see me on YouTube, there we go, I'm on. And I don't think people understand how hard you have to work to really get something you really want. And that goes for anything. That could be music. That can be going for a scholarship. I mean, it can be sports. It can be passing. The, it, it can be passing the test. It can be a lot of different things. But my ammo is if you're not willing to sacrifice something for it, you probably don't want it. I mean, you can kind of take that message to anything. And it doesn't have to be something big that you're giving up. It's not like I'm asking you to give up a lung <laughs> for your dream or something. But, you know, you might want to go kick it with the fellas or kick it with the ladies, right? But you got something to do that'll help you get two inches closer to where you want to be. And it might seem insignificant at the time. You might be like, does it really matter if I do this today or tomorrow? Maybe I can just go out tonight and get it done in the morning. That's the time where you, where you should really be like, you know what? I got something to do because it might not seem like it's important now, but you build all those small moments together, all those little itty bitty moments. That's what gets you to where you want to be. All those little steps you take. The little steps don't matter if you just isolate the little steps. Like, like if I took one small step from here to the door, it didn't really matter much. But I put all, all those small steps together, boom, I'm at the door. And I'm looking back like, I wasn't that hard. <laughs> so I, I, that was one of my takeaways from there. People, people really don't want it like they say they do. <laughs> or like they really don't. I mean, that's just how it is. That's why you don't see too many famous people because it's it's kind of easy to be average. It really is, you know? Average is cool, but some people want to be above average. And some other people think they want to be above average, but they're really not willing to work for it. So that was one takeaway I took from there. My second takeaway is Puffy kind of messed this group up just a little bit. He, he kind of messed him up. He had this scene where, you know, he kind of, he felt like he wanted to humble him a little bit. So, you know, he made them walk from one end of the borough to the other end of the borough to get him some cheesecake. The infamous cheesecake scene. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard of it, even if you haven't heard of this show, where he made him walk all the way to get the cheesecake and all the way back. It was 
I mean, people laughed. People thought it was funny at the time. They understood the message after a while where he was like, you know, you got to humble yourself. If you want a dream, you got to work for it. And understood that 110%. Long term, though, when you're trying to put out a group, I think that action kind of made them look a little bad to people. And they didn't take the group as seriously as one would take a group because they saw them do that. The thing about reality TV is people really feel like they know you (laughs) because they see you on TV, especially reality TV, where they see you in the same setting every single week at the same time. And instead of seeing you evolve as a person, they're seeing clips and snapshots and snippets of what producers want you to see. So they don't really see like the evolved person from the first day in the house to the last day in the house, right? They don't really see that. They see what the producers want them to see. So you put all that together and then you kind of do stuff to make them look a little silly. Then you ask them to buy a record. People are going to buy the record, but they're not going to really expand their mind to make you, to make them feel like they're a different person. They pretty much have to put out the same stuff over and over again. And and that that gets kind of tiring. The best artists, their first album and their second album, they're unrecognizable. Like, you take a Kendrick Lamar. Look at his first album. Look at his second album. You go like, what? How did he get from here to there? That's growth. You can take Outkast's first album and second album. I remember they got vilified for AT Aliens. People want to say now, like, man, that was that was really their best album. No, I'm an Outcast fanatic. And I remember people jumped off the Outcast train because of AT Aliens. Like people hated it. I'm like, how can you hate this? Man, it don't even sound like the first one. It's not supposed to sound like the first one. If you want the first one, buy the first one. Man, no, they just did now. Now everybody act like, man, it was the greatest thing ever. Chill out, man. Like, I I was in that time period. Y'all hated Outkast after the second album. You really did. That's what made the third album so awesome. Because people, they understood how much people hated it. And they were like, really? So they kind of made that the theme of the album. Like, you really hated that, huh? So we got something for you. When you do reality TV we feel like we already know you so because of that it's really hard to go to another place because we're looking like dude <laughs> you're not that dude I-, I seen you on that one part running for the cheesecake and people just don't know how to let things go you know this whole tv thing and i feel like that was really one of the main reasons why they didn't get to like the astronomical heights of music stardom i don't really think it was their fault i think it was more like people just can't let go of stuff especially when they see it on television like they really can't expand their minds but overall i I really thought that making the band like that second season that was one of the last genuine seasons the last genuine shows in reality tv i felt like pretty much everything in reality tv since then has been so choreographed to the point where I feel like they have scripts. Like, like you know what's going to happen. You can even tell where they're going to try to, like, pull a pump fake and do something different. You can see it coming. But with the Making the Band 2 franchise, that was like, I don't know what's going to happen. 
Like these these kids really wilding out, <laughs> and I want to see what happens because they they might actually figure it out, or somebody might get punched in the face. Either way, something good gonna happen, and I need to see it. And it just didn't look fake; it looked genuine. So I spazzed out and watched all of that. Like I was really on that. Like I've been watching some real live old school stuff. Man, I was sit, I was sitting on the phone watching rock man like <laughs> this is this is teacher them in the summertime like you got all this free space and you you just watching stuff like i'm watching rock man like you know charles s dutton living in um picking up trash in baltimore i'm on that like <laughs> like it's wild but every friday round about nine i'm kicking it with the with the New York Undercover fam, and we we live tweet New York Undercover like like it's it, it started pretty silly because I think just a few people were watching New York Undercover, and then like a few people just started tweeting out what they were seeing. I know I did a couple times, and then I saw other people, so I started engaging with them. Pretty soon, you got like a few of us like, "Hey, it's nine o'clock. Where you at? Let's go!" Like, and it's and it's cool, like. I, I really feel like this. I really feel like if Twitter was a thing in the 90s, there would have been so many people live tweeting New York Undercover because it's just one of those shows where it you just didn't see it every day. You have a Latino um, crime fighter. like You got a Latino detective paired up with a black detective in new york and they basically fighting crime they 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 in the thick of it really getting it in and look man you you just got to understand the time period to understand why so many people feel like it's special we talking about mid 90s where fox decided like look everybody else gonna ignore the black market cool y'all gonna ignore the black viewers you think it's all about the cosby show Okay, so Thursday nights, mid-90s, you got Martin at 8. You got Living Single at 8.30. And then you got then you got um, New York Undercover from 9 to 10. They really decided that we're going to target this audience and give them things that they want to see. And it wasn't like, you know, you got black people just shooting other black people and yeah, you know, talking in ridiculous lingo and all that dumb stuff. You know, that old black black exploitation stuff. You didn't that wasn't it. You got Martin at eight, where you got a guy that is living with his girl, and he's not cheating or anything like that. They real live in love, and they just doing funny stuff. Like <laughs> that that's the genesis of so many other sitcoms. That was Martin at eight. 8.30, you got living single. You got four black female roommates. And they just kicking it. You got four black women just going through goofy stuff with their two male neighbors upstairs. That was the genesis of so many normal, normal sitcoms. Like, that was just a sitcom. And they just made it for black people. <laughs> and that was 8.30. And then now you got to see, you got to see people of color 
in a different element. That was just the dopest part about that whole set. You just got to see us in different elements, and it was so cool. And I just remember making sure that we was at home at 9 on Thursday so we could watch New York Undercover. Like, it was it was so cool to hear the music that you just had in your Walkman. Yeah, I said Walkman. So that basically just put me at the age that you are thinking of right now. <laughs> so you got the music in your Walkman. You take your Walkman. I'm like, dang, I was just listening to that song. And they playing that in the opening. They talking like people you know. But they're talking about relevant issues on the show. Like, there was this whole thing in the 90s where you had people that were bombing black churches real talk like you can go back and look like black churches were being bombed like it it was happening like a regular occurrence and you know they talked about it on the news a little bit you know you would hear it like on the first part of the news but it was one of those things where it was happening a lot but it wasn't getting the recognition that it deserved Instead of ducking from it, New York Undercover did a two-part episode about the black church bombings. And it was like, it was stuff that was just so relevant to what was going on in, I want to say black life, but really it was life. It was stuff that was relevant and you would see it every single Thursday night. And it was just so dope. And I'm going to stop right there because (laughs) if I start talking about what happened at the end of season three and then how they completely gutted the show for season four and made it unrecognizable. See, see, I got me started. Now I want now I want to choke the microphone. Like (laughs) I'll be talking, I'll be talking to the fam on on New York undercover. Like when we, when we live tweet, I'm like, I don't even want to get to season four, man. Like I really don't. I just wanted to stop at season three before the last episode of season three. And then I just want to go right back to season one again. <laughs> like, I really, I, I won't even watch it on Amazon Prime. Like, it's it's streaming on Amazon Prime right now. I won't even watch it because I don't want to get to that part. Like, I, there have been some shows that made me so upset with the way they ended or with something that they did in the season to just make the rest of the season unwatchable. This is one of those shows. This is the show that I love so freaking much. And then they just, ah, like pain. You know what? I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. Let me breathe a little bit. All right, I feel better. Not a lot, but a little bit. Like I feel a little bit better. So shout out to the the whole New York Undercover live tweet fam. Um catch y'all on friday like if you want to join up um if if you feel like burning a couple hours and laughing at people saying goofy stuff um it's it's on bet every friday episode at nine o'clock episode at ten o'clock so um come kick it with us um watch a sensi fan talking um just be on some dumb stuff with the homies (laughs) Hey, um, we're gonna go ahead and make that a wrap for this episode. Um, y'all know where to where to catch me every week. So make sure you tuned in. Make sure you subscribed if you haven't already. Make sure you hit that link tree if you haven't already. And as always, y'all I know a lot is going on, but remember we still breathing. So life is good, man.
Peace out. not ready for the conversation to end i'm not either make sure to catch me on twitter that's the sensi fan talking leave off the g at the end of it and we can keep the conversation going also don't be afraid to hit that subscribe button so you can catch the next episodes the episodes will drop every tuesday if there's a change in that i'll make sure to let you know appreciate the support as always life is good